Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. We have tuplers in town. Do you? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, this is the uh, the Hugo welcome party. Okay. Our Very new cool. uh, designer. Mm-hmm. He's actually been here for a few months now, I guess, maybe two months, something like that. But now he's in, in the States with us. He lives in France normally. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. How long is he visiting? He's with us for basically three days, uh, but this is his first time in the U.S., so he's going to New York City after this. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is a great call. Mm-hmm. New York is awesome. Very nice. Did you guys end up getting an office? We're in a co-working space in Somerville. We actually have three different offices that we've rented there. So we have this kind of like large-ish, like really pretty corner office with windows overlooking the square, which is where Joel and I spend most of our time. But that only holds really three and maybe kind of four people. So we have like basically two extra offices for like pairing rooms when there's people are doing stuff. So yeah, we have offices. The tuple offices sounds more legit when you can pluralize it. Yeah, exactly. Having multiple spaces means you're a real company for sure. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's a, it's sort of more of a campus, really. <laughs> the tuple campus. Did you, did you manage to get your uh, a giant logo on the outside of that building, though? No, although, like I said, we're, we're on the corner overlooking the street, so we totally could put a big sign on in the window. <laughs> in the window. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Uh, uh, which, yeah, maybe, maybe we will. Be a nice flex. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Achieving all these uh, childhood dreams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But it's great. It's just fun, like, walking around the city and, and doing activities. We, we, we planned a bunch of things, and it's, uh, it's pleasant to have a group together. Cool. A little team building, a little bonding. Absolutely. Yep. We were working in person, Hugo and I, on the design for those call URLs that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. I think we are in a good place. You and I did some review. I, I showed some to Wathen. I've been, this has been a very tricky feature. Yeah. As a team, and uh, we have, we've been going like back and forth on these a lot. So where did it end up? Because when we talked, I was advocating for uh, rooms. <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> and uh, is, that where, is that where you landed, or did you land in a different spot? We're not going full rooms yet. I think we have a design that we feel good about, like UI and UX-wise, that is not like rooms, but more like adding URLs to calls. And I think it's pretty good and pretty clear. But we're, we've, we've gone over this so many times and like we've, we've had so much back and forth that I was saying to Hugo, like we, we really need a prototype at this point. Yeah. I think we, we've stared at the, at the interface too much and debated the, how it should work. And I think once we have something even pretty janky on staging, we will know a lot more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm calling it on the design right now. Like no more, no more fiddling. Let's, let's build a thing and see what happens. Yeah. And I think as we discussed, like I think a lot of the the underpinnings of it seem fine. Like the actual functionality, it's more about the exact words used in the UI, right? To like be able to communicate it and that you can really iterate on. You could probably enable it on people's accounts and like see what, you know, gauge their reactions and, and take in that kind of data, you know? Right. Exactly. That's the place I want to get to because we're, we're doing a lot of speculating right now. People have different opinions and they're all like pretty good. So it's, it's time to like actually get some real world experience and, try it ourselves show it to some users that kind of thing mm-hmm. yep your point of kind of like maybe you just call it this different thing and it's okay and you don't have to like rework the whole model is mm-hmm. is a good one that that may be what we end up doing but not sure mm-hmm. well that's cool i'm really looking forward to this one like we do this 
this call over tuple and I do standups over tuple and I would just, I would be using that URL all the time, probably, you know, just drop it on the calendar invite and wander in. Cool. So that's great. Yeah. I have a suspicion this is, is a really big feature for us actually, like, like in terms of usage increase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my, that's my hunch, my not so secret hunch. Yeah. And I'd love to build a savvy cal integration so that you can just like drop one of these from a savvy cal. Yes, please. Flow too. To all of the founders, it has always felt kind of unconscionable that we don't have a savvy cal integration. <laughs> yes, we're all pre- we're pretty big users of savvy cal, and the fact that there's not a drop down option for you know scheduled tuple session, it's like it's just it's vaguely offensive mm-hmm. <laughs> to my sensibilities. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. So we're excited for that. I'm stoked to, to try to try to ship that prototype soon. And speaking of that, we are also, there is now, should I even say this? I'll say it. There's, there's an event on the calendar um, to get the engineering team together to do like a technical feasibility slash spike of mobbing. Ooh. So this would uh, just define mobbing. This means like multiple people can be editing at the same or like working on the same screen at the same time. Just, yeah, just think more people on a call. Okay. Yeah. So bumping the bumping the limit and you know solving some of those UX problems of now there's even more people involved more cooks what do we need to do to to make that reasonable um, but this is a, this is sort of like not like oh hey we're gonna ship the the final feature in this time period it's more like let's block off a week in person get everybody in here and like let's explore this space because there's there's a lot of ways we can do this and a good number of technical questions to be answered and so this is kind of like let's. Let's take a first crack at it and see what we get. At. That's great. I mean, I, that's those are some of the most magical times when you're like, everyone's committing their communal brain power towards one thing, and it's kind of R and D ish. Like, that's it's very fun. Totally. Yes. We basically have these sort of two, like this this call URLs and the and the mobbing features are the two huge items from the roadmap for this year that are are left basically on in in my book. Both of which I think are really substantial, like lots of work, but very important product changes that are foundational and I think have the ability or the, the potential to really change the, the, the trajectory of the product and usage. I mean, really. If I recall, when you were talking about like allowing more people into a call, it was going to potentially require you to like rework the system so it wasn't peer to peer. Is that what you're going to have to do for this or? Yes. Stay peer to peer. Okay. Mm-hmm. At some point, we, we will have to move from a some point, meaning some number of participants, but also some network quality. We will have to move from a mesh network to a like client server model. What are those thresholds and how do you do it? And how transparent is it to the user is the tricky part. And that's a bunch of added cost for you guys, right? If the, if the it bits is. are flowing through your servers. <laughs> it is, exactly. So suddenly we have to pay for bandwidth in this model. I don't know quite what we're going to do with that yet. That will have to be figured out, but I don't know the answer. Yeah. Maybe a different pricing tier? Could certainly happen. Yep. Could be a different pricing tier. Could be like a metered addition to your bill, potentially. You could just charge whatever you want for it. So you could turn it into a profit center, I mean, effectively. I like the predictability of per user pricing. Like saying like, oh, it's this per user. And then also, by the way, there's this bandwidth cost, that which may be somewhat substantial. And it's just like a surprise every month. Don't love that. And I don't love sort of disincentivizing people from using it. I don't want like an engineering manager to be like, hey, everyone, 
stop doing large calls because it's costing us big upcharges on the bill. It's like, oh, that kind of, that's not very fun. So as always, like pricing is very subtle and complicated and lots of psychology involved. So, so I don't know what that's going to look like, but to me, that's a problem that's far enough down the road that we don't need to worry about it right now. Or I'm noodling on it, but not, I don't have answers yet. Well, speaking of pricing, I got an email this week. You did. Yes. <laughs> Um, sorry about that. <laughs> what <laughs> the hell, of. man? <laughs> yeah. We decided to raise our prices on our existing customers. We have raised our price on new customers already. Um, and we decided to increase the price on existing customers from the 25 to 30 per user. We did a couple tests of just sort of sending it to small, small groups of people. And the response was all pretty much fine. The response was basically no response. So we tested 40 teams. I got two emails back. Both of them said, that makes sense. No worries. Go for it. Um, and so we're like, well, okay. I think we're safe. And so uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago, recently, we sent it to many hundreds of team owners and said, hey, uh, we haven't raised prices since we launched three and a half years ago. We recently just added SSO to all our plans. We think the product is a lot better. And uh, we're going to increase the pricing for the first time. Was it received well with the broader group? It was, yeah. So it's been about 36 hours since we sent the email. And the response so far has been very positive, actually. Emailed a lot of people and only got about maybe like 1% have responded. And of those, half were saying, yep, totally fine. Thanks for letting me know. And the other half were saying things like, eh, we're, we're kind of in the middle of a fundraise right now, or like, you know, money's tight, I'm self-funding or something like that. And for those people, I just said, hey, have a discount, enjoy. And uh, everyone seems happy. Nice. I do think you guys did a good job on the wording. Like the email was kind of straightforward to the point. It was confident, like, hey, we're raising our prices and here's the reason why. And, and this is how it's going to be. It wasn't like overly apologetic, which I think can sometimes... It just weakens the message and maybe opens you up to more criticism or pushback. So I feel like it struck the right uh, the right tone. Nice. That's that's good to hear. And I was honestly thinking of I got a price increase email not too long ago that was very opaque and you know didn't tell me what the price increase was and it was like you know it was very long and I was like okay I want to do the opposite of that. Yeah. So the subject line of this email was we are increasing our prices, and it was you know pretty intentionally to the point um, and tried to be as clear as possible. Like this is happening. This is the amount. This is when it's happening. And if this is a problem for your business, if this is a hardship, let me know and mm -hmm. we can work with you. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like it. It was still nerve wracking to send for sure. Like I, part of me still wanted to hesitate and, but Joel and Spencer were sort of encouraging. They were like, let's, let's just, let's do it. Let's pull the trigger. Uh, and so far I'm, I'm glad we did. I think it was, I think it has gone well and, um, there does not appear to be a big blowback or anything. And so that's a pretty big win for the business. Nice. Is there any part of you that feels like you could have raised them more like because you didn't get a lot of pushback? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes, actually. Yeah. So like, so Stephen uh, was like, so how far do you think we would have had to raise them to like cause a blowback? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, that's a good question. It's not, I mean, my goal is not to get a blowback. Right. <laughs> I have that thing that Nathan Barry wrote in my head, which is like, you want to have a gap between what you're charging and the value you provide. So if you're always raising the prices and like eating up all that gap, it's, you know, it eats up a lot of goodwill and, you know, creates openings for other people to come in and whatnot. I'm happy for Tuple to be an expensive option in this space. When people are very price sensitive, 
I just, I sort of just mentally think like, you're not our customer. I want people that want to pay for the best tool out there and like the, the, the high end version of things. And if you aren't into the high end version of things, that's totally fine. And it's, it's cool, but I, I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to be at a price point where you think we're reasonable and good. Mm hmm. It's so tricky. Like I was using a product. I can't remember what it was, but I probably wouldn't name it anyways if I did, if I did remember. But I just re recall like using it and bumping up against like constantly bumping up against different like upgrade triggers and like, oh, in order to turn on this setting, you have to get on the pro plan and this one's on the premium only. And it was like laden with this all over the place. And I just found myself so annoyed, not because it was like that much more money, but just because it felt like it was so optimized, like to squeeze every last dollar out of you that it left a really bad taste in my mouth so it's something i'm always like cautious about like i of course i want to nudge people into our highest tier but also aware that like sometimes optimizing it too much we're like yeah theoretically maybe you're you're maximizing that curve but you might just be like really um, harming your goodwill with your customers if you do that too aggressively mm -hmm. totally i did have a thought which is i think part of the reason that we're not getting much pushback on this is that we already are a fairly expensive tool compared to other things out there. And so we have already priced out a lot of the super price sensitive companies. And so the ones that are left are like, they want to play the game that we play. It's interesting. Like we, we've already sort of staked out our position at the high end of the market. So getting a little more expensive is kind of like, okay, sure, whatever. And, and Joel said like, <laughs> he's like, I don't, I don't necessarily want to like keep customers where like the difference between 25 and $30 is like, a, is really meaningful for them. Like five whole dollars for a developer, like per month. It's like hope, hopefully that is a rounding error for your business. Um, and if and if it's not, then we're probably not the right fit anyway. And so that's fine. But we shouldn't try to necessarily price for those people. That said, I do think there is an interesting argument to be made here. And DZ from Arrows and also like Ruben was we're, we're talking about this on Twitter, which is that there is the there is a move to be made here potentially for products like tuple that have network effects where lowering the price could dramatically increase usage if we have like a really cheap offering such that it could spread which then increases the value for people that are in the in the network yep that's a good point i mean yeah like if it was super cheap or like had a free tier or something like yeah you could foreseeably get you know literally hundreds of thousands of developers like using it all the time and falling in love with it and bringing it to their company. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, that's my only worry with, with what the strategy we've, we've chosen. I think that is the, like the current strategy is potentially a local maximum. And, and this is sort of what Ruben was saying is like, the, this is what's so hard about this is that in the short term, it always seems like the right thing to do to just charge more because you just sort of immediately make more money and it seems right. You're like, look, the numbers are going up. This is good. But you don't you don't know that that path you're not exploring, which is like, what if this were just a no brainer for everyone? What what could it look like then? If it really were a no brainer and became the dominant thing and everyone had it, could you be making way 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 more money? Like, yeah, maybe it certainly could be possible. Yep, it's tricky. So no matter what, you can't be happy. That's that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you can't split test reality, so you can't know can't know what the alternative would be for sure. Similarly, we're kind of. I'm kind of thinking about the same stuff. So I've just reworked the Savvy Cal funnel and it's like I'm midway through that right now of dropping our credit card requirement. And so that I shipped that at the beginning of 
June. Um, so no more credit card required. And now we automatically start a trial for you. And we extended it to 14 days because figured that like before you could play around with the product and then click a button when you were ready to start your trial. So that was a shorter window. It was a seven day trial. But since we're automatically starting it for you when you finish the onboarding wizard, we extended it out to 14 days. So there's a currently in the seven day gap where there's no more trials to convert because all the prior ones have have completed. And then I'm just waiting to see what the conversion rate is going to be on the new credit card list mm. trial. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be interesting. Yeah, but there's... I mean, it's on the one hand, it's cool because we're at are already beyond the normal number number of trials that we get. So we were converting around twenty percent of people who made it in, who registered for the product. Twenty percent of those people each month would start a trial, and then and then about oh gosh, seventy percent of those people would convert into paid. That was the metric that I was most proud of. <laughs> Honestly, it was my my trial to paid conversion rate. And that's going to be different now because no credit card, you know, always drops that. But I'm also staring at like the num the percentage of people who have put their card on file after starting their trial. It's still very low, but I know that that's probably to be expected. Like people will, we nudge them a couple times over email to like, hey, if you want to keep your links active, got to put your card on file. So I'm sure it'll go up. I mean, it has to go up from where it's at right now as people approach the end of their trial. But curious to see what that number is going to be. But yeah, all of this is just in pursuit of getting more people to get deeper into the product without friction and trying it out using meeting polls, which is free. If you don't want to stay on a paid plan, you can use meeting polls for free. So it's kind of like in support of that kind of freemium upsell flow. Similarly, like Savvy Cal is best used with other people. And the more people that you collaborate with, um, the more valuable the product is. So thinking about ways to like encourage that to happen more is pretty interesting. This is the one thing that like worries me that we're leaving on the table, I would say. And this is why like I, I'm always kind of thinking about or bringing up like like freemium or some sort of, yeah, some cheaper offering or something like that. Um, I do love the idea of charge the people that really are getting a lot of value and love it a lot of money, but also have some other th sort of thing, like a, a narrow uh, part of the wedge for the, for the people that use it less or very casually. I do worry I'm being potentially a little short-sighted there with moves like this. But what are you gonna do? I think there's a grand test eventually in our future mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of some kind to to help sort of figure this out. Yeah, you'll probably find yourself in a place where, like, okay, it feels like the we're in a really good spot to kind of think about what's the next big thing that could shift the dynamics of the business. And maybe that time's not right now, but eventually, I think you'll get to that point where there you'll have an appetite to test it. That's yeah, that sounds right to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think we'll know when it's the time. And like the business is doing well now. Mm -hmm. um, there's possible, yeah. There's certainly some like hypothetical alternate reality where we have made different choices and, and it's doing even better. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm like, uh, this is not a bad reality. Yeah. Yep. Episode title. Mm -hmm. This is not a bad reality. I like it. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. Also, we paid back eight percent of our Stripe Capital loan so far. <laughs> nice. Yep. Are you set to pay it back then in like eight months? Is that what they estimate? Something like that? Yeah, I think that's what they said. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I did a little looking at alternative capital sources like that. So I, I've been trying to build like a mental model around like why, when is the right time to, you know, bring in a Stripe capital loan or something like pipe, you know, that's like more directly tied to like basically selling subscriptions to them and getting it a discounted amount of money back for them. 
kind of as an exercise, like I want to always know what options are on the table in the event that like if growth slows a little bit and cash balances are dipping below a point that I'm comfortable with and I want to be able to, you know, in the short term, kind of just shore up cash in the bank to feel more comfortable, I guess. So that's like one thing that one piece of just like I want to I want to have take be able to take some comfort in knowing that like if I need if if I need to access some cash in the short term to bridge like a couple of months or something that that's available. So I just set up a pipe account and connected all my, you know, Stripe and accounting system and just just to see like what's the current offer. What'd you see? I think right now, like I have only 35K accessible through that. And it's like at a, I think it's like 94 cents on the dollar. So that would cost, gosh, what, like between one and two grand. And it needs to be paid back within six months. So they give you like a number of different parameters. It's like, what's the bid price? What's the amount or the maximum amount you can borrow? And then what's the term? And it's all of those variables are based on how much cash you have in the bank right now, what your ARR is, what your, they might take into account growth rate. I'm not sure, but they basically, they have a whole model that's kind of opaque. They don't really give you all the details about that. And is this a straight loan or is this the, like the revenue factoring thing? It's more of a revenue factoring thing. It's like a, yeah, it's like a, you're pulling forward cash for, and then you're, you're paying it back in monthly installments over a fixed term. Mm-hmm. Based on subscriptions that you have. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it's correlated to that. So they, in their UI, it's like, here's a list of all your subscriptions and you can check a box on the ones that you want to basically sell to pipe to get the cash right now. But I think it's not, they're not actually tying it to your existing subscriptions. It's just like a proxy for how much cash that they're, they'll be, they'd be willing to, uh, to loan you. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. Interesting. I thought it was tied, but I, I, yeah. I don't think it's directly tied. Like, um, yeah. I do remember them saying like, if that subscription cancels, you just replace it with a different one or something. So maybe it's, it's, it is more agnostic about the exact, like, customer yep yep and that sort of makes sense like they probably they can't really go run a credit check on all of your customers and be like how likely or like it's not even a credit check it's like how determine how likely that person is to churn Mm -hmm. exactly yeah that sounds complicated yeah so it's it's interesting because like so something like that where it's like okay it's not enough money to like hire a new person off of and it's needed it's you have to pay it back relatively quickly so it's like like in my mind, I would need to have some use for that where I could ex- reasonably expect to get an ROI better than a couple thousand dollars in that short amount of time in order for it to be worth it. Because otherwise, I'm just paying it all back, but it's cost me money to pull that cash forward. And if I don't have something that I can actually get an ROI on it in the near term, then then it's not really that useful to me. So I don't know. It was kind of interesting to explore that and... Realize, like, I think those terms will get more favorable. So, like, they could extend out to up to a year. I think if if they feel more comfortable with the with the metrics of my business, I guess, like, all those variables could get tweaked as things go. But for now, it's not not that interesting. And, like, Stripe Stripe Capital is offering me like seventy k right now. I think, but it's considerably more expensive. Like, I think that's I think the fee on that is like five grand or something so yeah okay gotcha hmm. and so the, the thought process here is you're spending a bit more than you're making and you want to have more buffer in the bank so you feel better about it potentially yeah like i have it all modeled out where i think it'll be just fine based on current growth rates but again when you like change up your funnel it's like well 
just in case like things, if things take a little turn for a little bit, like this little blip, I just want to like feel confident, you know? Totally. Yeah. That does make it scarier. Yeah. Well, good, good, good on you for like still doing the experiments. Mm hmm. I, I think it'd be a trap to just say like, uh, I'm, I'm nervous about changing anything. So let me just assume this is best. Yeah. 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 Believe me. It's like, again, it's that thing. Like things have been going fine. Like it's slow and steady growth is kind of how I see it, you know? And like, it's very, it's been very consistent, but I have a feeling it could be better. And I think something like, like this cre credit cardless trial, I think will be a net positive. I think, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So, you know, I, I did have to push myself for a while to finally pull the trigger on this and say, like, OK, it's worth it. Even though, like, it's been comfortable, it's still been I think we could do better. So gotcha. Yeah. yeah. OK. Do you have any other big things you want to get out? No, I think that's it for me. Oh, OK. Yeah. Great. That worked out nicely then. Cool. 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 Uh, well, notes of the show. Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.